Greetings and welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media. They are consultants, website builders, and they work with people all over the country. They are the number one ranked New Jersey SEO company in Google for website building and consultation. If you have a website and you want to know how to enhance it or get more traffic, contact the TJB Web Media. If you need a website built, they are the ones to do it. They really know their stuff, so I would contact them. All their information is in the show notes. Today's podcast is going to be a new feature at Alpha Ministries Podcast called Throwback Thursday. We're going back 10, 20, sometimes 30 years, um, especially with John Glenn and his ministry. Messages. Uh, Today's podcast is when we were, we did a radio show with WPSL called Hometown Sunday. This is a message that I did on the yeast of the Pharisees. So without further delay, here is the message, the yeast of the Pharisees, WPSL, September 2012. My name is Bill Lloyd, and I'll be with you for the next half hour or so. And uh, we're studying today, we're going to study the yeast of the Pharisees, something that Jesus warned his disciples against, and something that slips into our lives pretty much on a daily basis. And we're going to look at the yeast um how it trips up unbelievers, people that might be looking to come to Jesus Christ, but it also uh, trips up his children. God's children can get caught into that snare. All Things Jesus Radio Program celebrates and emphasizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, the person, the work of Jesus Christ because that is the source of all things good and true and beautiful in this world and in this life. I humbly bow to him right now and say, Lord, there's nothing that I can do. In my flesh dwells no good thing. That's not just a catchphrase. That's not just some kind of false spirituality, Lord. (laughs) You've proven to me over and over again that you are the source of everything good in my life and that in spite of my weaknesses, your power is made perfect in spite of me, not because of me. Thank you that you get the job done, Lord God. Thank you that you move and you've never given up on us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that your grace is sufficient, your power is made perfect in love in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your commitment to us, Lord, that you're more committed to our spiritual growth than we are even committed to our own. So thank you for that, Lord, and I pray that you teach us now by your spirit. So the yeast of the Pharisees, Mark chapter 8, and start in verse 9. It says, About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into a boat with his disciples and went into the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply. <sighs> And said, why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. 
Then he let them go back into the boat and cross to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears to fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the 5,000 loaves? 5,000 how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, Are you still so dull? Do you not understand? Now in Matthew 16, we have a similar um, exchange, and we're gonna, and it's going to help us to see what the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod is. Matthew 16, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him and asked him for a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It'll be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning, today it'll be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for miraculous signs, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So the first yeast, the first false teaching is the demand for a sign, a demand for the miraculous sign. Jesus told them that no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. That's what Jesus said to them, that no sign would be given. See, Jesus had just broken, in this context, he had just broken and he had just multiplied and did the miracle of the fish and loaves. So now the next day, they're still asking him for to show them a miraculous sign, that the sign that he did yesterday was from God. In other words, that the demand for a sign will never satisfy. And I've, I've heard people demand things from God. You know, I had a friend of mine tell me, well, if God, you know, when I was in college and I first came to know Christ, he said, if God is true, then he'll change my uh, calculus book into Chinese tonight. I mean, that's, that's saying that God has to jump through our hoops. So the signs of the times, you know, they want proof that God exists. But people also want proof that Jesus is Savior. If people believe that God exists, the next step is to, well, they want to know that proof that Jesus is Savior. And then the believer struggles with proof that God loves us, accepts us, and is interested in our lives. In other words, the sign we look for is a change in our circumstance or a change in our performance, that if God really loved me, my circumstances would change. So for all three of these, proof that God exists, proof that Jesus is the Savior, proof that God loves us. Jesus Christ is the sign. Jesus Christ is God's final word to mankind. Jesus Christ is the word of God become flesh. It is God's final word, God's final light. We look to Jesus Christ. We have all that we need. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer says this, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times, and in various ways, 
but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe the sun is the radiance of god's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven so god spoke to men in various ways but in these last days god speaks to us through his son the lord jesus christ jesus christ is god's sign he came to earth he was crucified he was buried he rose again to prove who god says he was he rose from the grave so jesus is god's sign is god's final word is god in the flesh right here so he's proof that god exists there's more proof out there that jesus christ rose from the dead than george washington was the first president of the united states so historically there is now romans 5 because christians always always fall into the trap of really wanting proof that god loves them we look to our circumstances we think that if god loves us our circumstances would be great nothing nothing makes us doubt god more than if if we suffer or if we have bad things happen to us we think maybe we did something and god is mad at us but romans 5 if we want proof positive that god loves us romans 5 8 states that god demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us see god's proof that he loves us no matter what that his love is unconditional that his love is sacrificial, that his love is eternal, that his love is constant, is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know that we like to put like to put we put crosses on on church steeples and nice colored crosses on the walls and we use it as jewelry, but the cross was one big bloody mess. The cross was a big bloody mess, and the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates how far we can go. People always want to put limits on God's love religiously, that God loves this person but not this person. God loves that person but not this person. Or if God loves you and you're his child, well, you can blow it. You can you can um, sin or you can whatever it is. And the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates the absolute unconditional love of God. How far can we go with God? Well, we had God here in the flesh. We spit in his face. We beat him, we mocked him, we killed him, we murdered him, we crucified him, we disrespected him, dishonored him, blasphemed him, and killed him, and made him a big bloody mess to where the scriptures say that they couldn't even recognize him as a man. And yet, he never stopped loving a single person. So that's how far you can go to with God. He showed us how far. He's willing to go to demonstrate his love for us. And there's no limit. To me, there's no limit. We, it's just a demonstration of his love. And God accomplished the redemption of the world through that. But he also accomplished the demonstration of his love for that. And when we have terrible circumstances, we often think, well, I did something I did something to make God mad at me, and therefore he is he's chastising me or he's punishing me. Well, chastisement and punishment are two different things. Paul tells us in Hebrews to treat hardship as discipline and that God will discipline us. He will correct us. 
He is shaping us and molding us to the image of his son, but that has nothing to do with him withdrawing his love from us whatsoever. Whatsoever. God will never withdraw his love from us, even in the chances that we are suffering. Sometimes we suffer at our own hand by things that we've done. Other times we've suffered unjustly. But, as I said before, nothing makes us doubt God's love for us more than when we are suffering. And usually in that suffering, we look for a sign from God, which is the alleviation of that suffering to prove that he loves us, or revenge to prove that he loves us. Or we just blame ourselves and beat up on ourselves. But Jesus talked about the inner witness of the Spirit and that that would be a sign. For us. In John chapter 14, 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsel to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I am in you. And it says in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. Now right there, God tells us that we have this sign from God, which is the inner witness of his Holy Spirit. And a child of God knows that they know that they know that they know. So if your circumstances are, are terrible, if there's hardship and there's things that have happened, and you're doubting your relationship with God, or you're doubting if God loves you, do this little exercise. Get quiet and wait for that inner, inner witness that you are God's child. Try walking away from God. Try saying that you aren't God's child. Try thinking that there's somewhere else you can go besides God. Try thinking that there's something else you can do or there's someone else besides God who can save you and help you. And your spirit will bear witness with God's spirit. His spirit will bear witness with you that you are a child of God. And that's your sign. That's your miracle. That's the one. Jesus said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And in that, we can never leave him nor forsake him. That's the sign. I often tell people that are struggling, I ask them, I say, listen, walk away from God tomorrow then. Walk away from him. And they come back usually the next week and they can't because God's spirit bears witness with their spirit that they are children of God and they know that they know that they know. So that demand for a sign in unbelief, for an unbeliever, it's demanding that God exists. And, you know, the, to the atheist, I, I don't, to the, I, I just, there's no comprehension anymore why anyone would be an atheist. I mean, this world is designed so perfectly, and everything that, that is out there in the universe, cosmo, cosmologists, people that study the cosmos, are seeing every single day more and more every single day that everything designed out there is designed and points to supporting life here on earth 
It's a wonderful universe that we live in, but God has created man in his image, and everything out there is geared and points towards supporting life here on earth. And you can't look at our bodies and the way everything works and not see intelligent design. It takes more of a leap of in the dark to be an atheist than anything. It takes more of a leap in the dark to think that this all happened by chance. And God is creative God, and he is a loving God, and he is a kind God. And to the atheist, I say you're a fool. And to this country, to those in this country that want to boo at the Democratic Convention for putting God in. And let me tell you something. God's not impressed with the, what the Democrats did. Not one bit. He is not impressed that they put the word God in one little thing saying that people can live up to their God-given potential. He could care less. And, and to the Republicans that use God, to the Republicans out there, I don't know how the Republicans became my party, but they're not my party. If you're using God to get votes, then, then woe is you. You're going to wind up miserable and, and forsaken. It's ridiculous, the politics. But the, the Democratic National Convention, those atheists, those hardcore atheists, I say, and the Bible says, you're a fool. The fool says in his heart there is no God. And to boo and to, to think that this country can, can double down and get out of this mess without God, we're fooling ourselves. We need to get on our knees to humble ourselves before the Almighty. And you politicians out there need to get on your knees and you need to admit that you don't know what's going on. You haven't a clue of what to do for this country because you don't. You don't have a clue. You think you're going to do it all on your own without God. So for the fools out there to demand some kind of sign saying, well, if God was real, he would do this or that. That's like a dust mite on the shelf, on my bookshelf, trying to yell up to me to prove that I'm real. <laughs> that's what that's like. So if you're demanding a sign, the sign is Jesus Christ. God loves you. And you can't outdo, you, there's nothing you can do. There was a guy that was holding a sign. And I don't know if it was at a political rally, but it was up on one of the websites. And it said, um, if, if, if Jesus comes back again, let's kill him again. And it just it kind of made me shudder for that man. For that man. See, I know my God is real. And I know that my God is mighty. And I know that Jesus Christ loves that man, died for that man rose again for that man, and weeps for that man if that man continues to harden his heart because he's going to get his just reward. <laughs> See, God's not willing that any should perish, and he wants that man to know his loving kindness and to be forgiven. But I'm not so insecure in my faith. I mean, think about it. Think about what's going on in this country and what went on. And, I, and I'm speaking to the, to the Muslims in this world, too. If your God is God, then he should be big enough to take care of himself. In other words, I know that Jesus Christ is God. I know that he rose from the dead and has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And I know that in his loving kindness and patience, he's hoping and wishing and, and, and leading people to repentance. He's making people alive in Jesus Christ. He is mighty to save. He's at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power and submission to him. And the scriptures say that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm secure in that. 
My God doesn't need me to go beat people up, to, 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 to throw a big hissy fit anytime anyone puts my God down. It's just, it, he's God. He rules. He's the sustainer and the creator of the universe. He doesn't need our help, our protection, or us for us to get all freaked out and insecure when people mock him. And, you know, in this country, there's a double standard because people mock Christianity all the time. That man held up that sign. He didn't get beat up. Nothing happened to him. He held it up freely, and it was wonderful saying for him to stand there and say, oh, if, if Jesus comes back again, let's kill him again. I mean, can you imagine if someone held that out in, in a Muslim country about Muhammad? Or, can you imagine? Or if they wrote, Allah is dead? Why, why is that? Why are people so insecure in their faith that they go berserk? Anger, violence, that all comes from fear. That comes from fear. There was a crucifix put in urine. And that was paid by the American government, paid for that, and called it art. Through, through grants, the government paid for this guy to put a crucifix in his own urine. Did Christians go berserk? Did Christians want to kill that guy? Was there? Uh, no. He's walking around as free as a bird. Why? Because we are secure in our faith. We pray for those people that are doing these things. We pray for their souls. We pray that they would see the love of God in Jesus Christ, the ultimate wonderful, beautiful love of God demonstrated for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ bleeding on the cross, dying on the cross for their sin, for their transgressions, that they would see that. Because one day they're going to stand before Almighty God. And he will be their judge. We are all going to stand before Almighty God. Those that have come to Christ have passed through judgment. Their works will be judged, but we have passed into life. We have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Our sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. I'm secure with my God. I know that he's going to bring me home safe and secure once and for all. I don't need any other sign except what he's done for me internally. I sense it. I feel it. I know it. He's there, and he's made my relationship with him as easy as breathing. By putting his spirit in me. He made my spirit alive and he put my, his spirit in me. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I am a new creation. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He is my sign. Jesus Christ is my all in all. And I know that one day, everyone is going to face him. And, and, and I know that, that in, in, Revelation chapter 20, we see the great white throne judgment. Read that. Read that. So I say to the unbeliever, to the foolish out there, to the atheist, come to God in Jesus Christ. Believe like Bob Hayes says, believe that I believe. Seek God. I, ask, I simply ask God one day, I said, God, if you're there, I want to know you. I don't think you know me. I don't think you like me. Because I don't know who you are. And before I knew it, God had revealed himself to me in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he can do the same for you. And for our country that we think we're going to make it without God, I'm asking Christians everywhere to pray for this country. But pray for the church. 
pray for revival. Pray that we get on the ball. Pray that we hell, we love one another. Jesus said that the, the, the sign for unbelievers, people will know that we are God, God's disciples. People will know that we are disciples of Christ if we have love one for another. Not for our buildings, not for our gimmicks, not for our bumper stickers, but that we love one another. And that has to start with families, communities, the church, the body of Christ loving one another. Like Jesus said that we might. We start caring for each other. Like Jesus said that we might. That's what we have to pray for. We need revival. We need God. We need people to turn to God. We need to stop eating the yeast of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The yeast of Pharisees and Sadducees is God has to show us a sign. And the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection from the dead. Jesus told the Pharisees, you err because you do not know the scriptures and the power of God. And the scriptures are a revelation of Jesus Christ. The power of God is his resurrection from the dead. And he raised us from the dead and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. We need to seek God now. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You know, when, when, when it does fall, because our, 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 what's, what's out there now, and I don't mean to be political, but I just have to be realistic. If you look at what's going on in our countries, we're heading for some hard times. Some really, really difficult economic times. The debt is unsustainable. It's unsustainable. And perhaps if we lose everything, we'll see that God is all we need. Because God is all we need. He really is. A lot of the things in my life that are great and that are blessings sometimes can be distractions when I get too caught up in them. And I'm thinking, there's this little suspicion in my mind that if things do continue to go south, because you can't live self-centered, selfish life, and that's what we've done in this country. And we think we're, we're so materialistic, we think that that will satisfy us. And we're, you know, compared to the rest of the world, we're really, really, really doing great. And all you hear people is whining about how bad they have it. And I'm talking about people that are working. People, I mean, I'm working. I thank God that I'm working. I thank God that my wife is working. I thank God that we have food. But if things really go bad in this country, if things really go south, and I'm talking economic collapse and hyperinflation and chaos, what are we going to do? Will it, be, will it be, will that, what it will take for people to turn back to God? And so many hearts are so hard out there. I, I have a feeling that many, many won't, but maybe many will. After 911, we were all about God for a couple days, a couple weeks, maybe a month or two. We're all about seeking God and then wanting God to bless us and to, to save us. Then things changed. We doubled down. Read the book, The Harbinger. Read that book. It's a real eye-opener. It's saying that we can do things in our own strength. It's saying that God has to answer to us. It's saying that if God, if we don't like what God's doing, then we don't, we're, not, we're not accountable to him. That's the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. God invites us to come to him in humble faith. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. 
He calls upon men everywhere right now to seek his face, to receive his love and mercy, to receive forgiveness of sins, to receive his power, to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sins. He admonishes the body of Christ to walk in the light as he is in the light, to have fellowship with one another and to love one another just as he loves us, to realize our power and potential in Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, doing for us what we could never do for ourselves, making us righteous, making us holy and blameless. It's all because of Jesus Christ. He is God's sign. He is God's all in all. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us redemption, our righteousness, our holiness, our perfection. God is good. He's not bad. God is righteous and holy and blameless and all his ways are right. All his ways and all his judgments are correct. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 